This is IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. I'm your host, Lee Llewellyn. So this is the next in our uh, series of Economic Development is More Important Than Ever podcasts. Uh, Today, uh, it's going to be a little bit different because uh, I'm going to be talking to Jeff Ray, who's the president and CEO of the South Bend Regional Chamber. And Jeff has been playing such a unique role, uh, both before all of this started. So we want to talk a little bit about how his organization is uniquely positioned in, in the region around South Bend, but then also talk about how unique his role has been moving through the COVID-19 crisis and, and how he has been uh, really taking on some much different roles. So Jeff, thank you for being with us today. Lee, thank, thanks for having me and, and thanks for doing this. I, I have enjoyed so much hearing uh, some of my colleagues across the state and their insight. This has been really helpful for me as an economic development professional. Yes, you as an economic development professional, but you come to your position uh, having been mayor of Mishawaka. Uh, and, and so your chamber, you, it says chamber, but I think that that really does not explain sort of the breadth of the role that your organization has in, in your region. So talk a little bit about um, the many different responsibilities that are sort of housed under that uh, name of chamber. Sure. So we're, we're unique, I think, to, to many organizations. So we, we do the typical chamber functions, a lot of business advocacy type work. We're the, uh, the Lido for the, uh, the county as well, too. So we do economic development work here as well. We're also the CVB. And so I have on my team, economic development people, tourism people, chamber uh, people, all of those kind of things. We operate the YPN program. Uh, we launched the regional partnership uh, up here and stuff. So, so we're, we're, I, I would say that fo- leaders in our area uh, tried to uh, eliminate some bureaucratic overhead and bring some like organizations together. And then, uh, you know, what we see is some real benefit of, of sharing some of that across the platform. So, so there are things that tourism does, for example, that benefit me on economic development when I'm trying to land a prospect and they're looking for uh, information or data or different things. So we've been set up that way for a while. We like uh, the setup. We minimize the number of, uh, of uh, you know, f- people operating a front desk, the number of copy machines, the number of graphic designers and, and such that, that we need. So we, so we are a little different, but we do uh, work close, especially on the economic development side. We have contracts for service with City South Bend, City of Mishawaka, and St. Joseph County and work real close with them on, uh, on, on the business attraction, on prospects, on business retention expansion type thing. A lot of workforce stuff with those entities as well, too. So we, uh, um, we, we, we collect a lot of different functions here within our umbrella. Well, and I think part of the reason why I wanted to, to talk about that is that, you know, we have been uh, for the past few months and even slightly before all of this stuff hit, we're, we're starting to have conversations with you know, the Chamber Executives Association and with the Tourism Association and now, you know, bringing in uh, uh, the community foundations and those other folks. But part of that conversation was uh, really beginning to understand how, how those different functions complement one another. And now as we're trying to build our way out of the current sort of crisis situation, uh, we find that a lot of those groups are having to really sort of learn about one another, begin to understand how we can work across those platforms on recovery things. And it seems to me you have a little bit of a head start in at least 
thinking about how different organizations bring different strengths to this process. Yeah, and, and I think what's been important to us is, you know, we, uh, the functions are, you know, in, are inherently a little bit different, so we, but we still, you know, manage to share a lot across the platform. So, you know, so we still perform traditional economic development or traditional tourism or traditional business advocacy. We just do it in a different or more efficient way. Everything from how we uh, lease space to, again, the, maybe the look, the feel, the message um, um, are all uh, really key pieces of, of that, too. And so to be able to, to sit with our uh, CVB folks, and, and, and so I, let me just give you an example. We, you know, talent attraction is high on everybody's uh, list. And, and, and how do we get talent here? Well, obviously, they, they need jobs, but this quality place piece is really important. Tourism plays really big in that space. And so, so my tourism uh, team, you know, develops a, a piece for me on the economic development side aimed at attracting and retaining talent, for example. And, and so, again, there's just a, there's a lot of synergies that ex exist there. Um, I would encourage folks to, to think about this. I also run a, a chamber, an economic development group up in, in Michigan uh, as well, just across the state line, and very similar, where uh, we brought the chamber and ED together. They had traditionally been uh, together probably in the 70s. They broke apart in the early 80s, functioned differently for almost 40 years, and then said, boy, maybe there's some synergies that we, if we, if we brought them together and, and, uh, and now that's working well. And then, and then in their case, they said, and what if we thought more regionally as well too, even though we're in Michigan, we're very much part of the South Bend area economy. And so could we team up with the folks there? Okay. Well, so, and I think you've talked about synergy and, and really talking about cross platforms and that brings us to part of our conversation today. And so I, I would assume that part of your, your experience of having been a mayor uh, gave you a little bit broader perspective. We suddenly find that as we're all trying to figure out how we think and organize our way out of the current, uh, whatever you call it, COVID-19 crisis, that's both sort of uh, social as well as economic, uh, trying to figure out how all of that stuff fits together and how we organize that is becoming an ongoing challenge. Uh, so you have been playing a very unique role, which you described, uh, I guess, colloquially as uh, being the COVID czar uh, in the South Bend area. And so uh, I don't know if, there, if they gave you a more formal title than that, but, but it was really, uh, you're, you were stepping a little bit outside of your role as the chamber exec to take on a much bigger role. So start by talking about, you know, what is the role that you've been playing for the last, uh, how long, couple of months? Yeah, so, so really I was uh, tasked to help coordinate efforts. So my, I think my golf buddies came up with the czar uh, term, but, uh, uh, but, but uh, the health department's leading our effort here. They're the ones with sort of the intricate knowledge of, of this. But, uh, but what we look at when we look at our county is we have uh, two strong cities. We have a county government, and, and, and the idea was we need to make sure we're well-coordinated within our efforts here. We have two health systems, um, a third, a physician network, city, county, uh, other city, um, how do we coordinate all of those efforts? And, and actually, how do we um, maybe add some extra hands uh, to this effort as well, too? Health departments have historically been a little underfunded, and, uh, and our health department obviously hadn't planned for a global pandemic, so could we, could we assist? And could I ultimately fill a role as I would call it a surrogate for each of those elected uh, officials? Can I, you know, can I leverage the relationships I've built 
in both the public and the private sectors? Um, can I sit as a representative in key meetings and, and such that maybe the mayors or the commissioners didn't have a chance uh, uh, to go to? Can I report back uh, to them? Can I offer some advice or, or, or some suggestions? Or back to, can I leverage those relationships I have too? So, when, so for example, we meet every day with, uh, with the healthcare providers and the health department to just talk about where we're at today, what's going on, what do the numbers look like, what do we need to do as a community? So let's say we identified the, that we need to test more people on the west side. Um, so then I take that and I go run with that, right? So let me go find a location on the west side uh, that we could set up the mobile medical unit. And, 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 and again, I'm leveraging my private sector uh, relationships uh, there to try to you know, secure a site or do, do some different things. Or, or we needed an isolation quarantine facility for folks that lived in the, in the homeless center so that we didn't take that back to the center. So um, because of our tourism function here, we have the relationships with hotels. And so could I reach out to a hotelier and find somebody who would be willing to, uh, to provide that kind of service over the course of time? So it's, it's been really unique. It's been interesting. Uh, it's, it's, uh, um, it's given me a front row seat to, uh, to maybe the crisis, uh, you know, if you will, that's happening and, and the preparation. You know, at one point in my early days, we thought we needed a, a field hospital. So you know, if this grows like we think, we're gonna need to take the convention center, for example, and, um, and turn it into a field hospital to manage the overflow that could happen. So in the early days, I was working on, on the things that we might need uh, for that and trying to help coordinate um, those efforts and, and such. And, and I think, you know, what the mayor and commissioner, the two mayors and commissioners and others recognized was, you know, they, they still have a lot of their day-to-day -day functions to do. They, you know, still got to run the city, still got to uh, do all those things. And, and so uh, if, if I could be sort of the joint representative for all of them. We didn't necessarily want to create three, four, five extra seats at the table. Um, if, if, if there was one person we could trust, um, and I'd like to say, you know, our organization with our, our chamber and economic development uh, function has been one of those organizations that is, is held in high regard in the community. Um, it, because of my experience, obviously, I know many of those, those same folks. And so it's, uh, it's, it's worked out really well. I think the other piece, though, is as you touched on, you know, this is a this is a health crisis and an economic crisis too. So as as we're navigating this and we're trying to figure out all the health stuff, we're like we got a lot of people on unemployment, and we got a lot of businesses that are are are, are needing to tap into assistance, and we got a lot of folks trying to understand um, what the plan looks like or how they develop a plan or what happens when somebody tests positive at their site if it, once they open back up, and so. So my role and relationships have helped me fill uh, that post, you know, kind of too, to help make sure that that the uh, the interest of the private sector is well represented at this table as, as well too. Because as uh, Governor Holcomb, for example, was doing his reopening plan, you know, as a community, do we follow that plan? Do we need additional restrictions here because we're not quite ready? Let's have that discussion and debate. So even today, our discussion in our meetings is you know, what are the criteria that would, would look at, would have us look at additional restrictions? You know, is, is, is the numbers in the counties around us are going up. Um, what, what do we do in reaction to that? Would there be conditions that would require us to put additional restrictions on in town? What would those be? And, and, and this gives me sort of the, the private and public sector voice at that table to, to weigh in on issues like that. You know, this again is so unprecedented and, and people are sort of, you know, we're, we're learning as we go. You know, so what were some of the biggest surprises 
um, what were some of the biggest surprises that you faced kind of looking out at the landscape and trying to figure out, you know, who had all of the different parts and being able to bring those and coordinate them? Time is a, is um, maybe one of our biggest challenges. So, so I'll just give you an example as we're trying to figure out a field hospital, right? So the date's starting to click and we think we might peak in three weeks. And, and how are we going to be ready to make sure we have capacity three weeks from now to handle all the cases we need? Uh, well, we think it's going to take four weeks to build something out at the, at, the, uh, at the convention center. And so how do we deal with that? Or even the isolation quarantine facility, very similar, is time is clicking. We need to do something with these people today. And, uh, but I don't have a facility set up today. And how do we get that? And, and, and how do we handle that? And then how do we um, you, know, you know, there's so much unknown about this, and, and, and I'll just, I'll use an example in, um, on the isolation facility. Um, we found a hotelier that was willing to, uh, to have us, and we're really grateful for that. And then the town where that hotel is located went nuts and said, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Um, you can't bring those people to our town. And, it, and it's like, you know, there's, it, it's interesting, because as you mentioned, there, there's no playbook for how to deal with a global pandemic. Nobody's staffed uh, related to it. We're trying to do the best we can along the way to make decisions every day uh, that, that keep, you know, our, our people safe. But, uh, you know, I, I think the, the pan we've certainly seen the stories where the pandemic has brought out the best in people. And we've seen stories where it's brought out the worst in people too. And I've had a chance to experience both of that, both of those things. And I, and I don't think I was as prepared for the, the resistance. And, and, and I, I'm not saying it, it isn't warranted. I think there's a lot of unknown. And, and when there's a lot of unknown, there's a great deal of fear. And, and, and so we've just tried to be very logical in, in, in how we approach it and, and trying to, uh, to, to, to do the things that, that, that we think are right. Even, um, you know, I'd use a, another example um, related to masks. So our, our community, our health department has decided that we should wear masks uh, and, and initially they said, you know what, well, we probably should wear them until we have about 70% herd immunity. Well, that kind of made me fearful a little bit because we're at four tenths of a percent right now who have that. So that could be a while. And so, so let's come up with a logical plan for masks. And we, so we, we timed that with the governor's plan and we instituted a mask requirement and, and, and businesses are supposed to make sure uh, folks wear masks when they come in. Well, to me, this didn't seem like as big of an issue. It's a big issue to some people who don't want to wear a mask. In fact, at the 7-Eleven, they said, we're not going to serve you, sir, because you don't have a mask. And they threw a hot cup of coffee on the clerk and then beat her up uh, because she said that you should wear a mask. And, I, and, and it's interesting because as we're really trying to limit the spread here, it seemed like a, a minimal thing. But, but also, you know, in my private sector role, this is a hard thing for businesses because the last thing these businesses want to do is put their employees in a confrontational manner. So we've had to sort of work through how this works um, practically. You know, it, it sounds good on paper. We should do this, but it's a, but it can be hard if you have those people. We don't want clerks getting beat up because they told somebody they had to wear a mask. And, and so, so we've been navigating uh, uh, different, uh, different kind of things like that. I, I think that have been really critical as well, too. Um, you know, I, I also would mention that, you know, the, the onslaught of new information every day about COVID and what's going on is really overwhelming. So a, a big part of my role has been just to make sure the mayors and commissioners have, um, you know, kind of the most relevant stuff for them. We, we want them to be educated when 
they uh, get asked a question. So, um, so, you know, so every day I'm, I'm giving them nuggets that tell them about PPP and what's going on with it or PPE and, and how to, how to get it or EIDL and where it's at or unemployment and, and where they need to, you know, send people if somebody's on unemployment or how capacity is um, at the hospital or where a testing location is today. So I do a daily briefing, for example, for the elected officials to say, here are the eight or 10 things I think you should need to know about today. I also do um, some data for them just so they can kind of track how today looks versus how last week looks and, 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 and such so they can sort of understand trends and stuff. I do some comparison for them as well where we compare with other major metro areas in Indiana. So we say, you know, not that it's not a competition obviously, but it's, but it's interesting to know how we stack up against other areas of, of similar uh, population and stuff. So yeah, it, you know, it's, it's, it's been really interesting. And I, and I think I, I'm, I'm grateful that they um, had trust, placed that trust in us and put us in, in this role and, and have, have tasked us with this. Some, some, some nights my wife would say I didn't sound very grateful, but uh, um, because, you know, some of these are tough, tough issues that, uh, that we have to deal with, but, uh, but, but, you know, I, I'm spending less time now on the the actual health piece of this, and now really shifting more to the economic recovery piece. And that's much like our, my peers and the and professional are doing. So that my next question was going to be, and you you uh, sort of presumed it, uh, but where do you think we are, sort of in the trajectory of the crisis? Yeah. So. I, I feel like the um, obviously it's we're not over on the health side, but I, I think that we're on the downward end of that uh, at least for now. I think that you know the health officials caution me that you know we could have another spike this fall when flu season starts or some of that kind of stuff. But uh, but for the most part, um, I think we've put practices in place to help keep people safe and and our businesses obviously are very interested in getting back up and running and and back to to full. Uh, full strength. So our focus is really on that piece of it now uh, more so and, and what that looks like uh, long term for our for our region and, and such, you know, when I so we've been doing some looking at some data and, and doing some different studies and such and we worry that this that the job impact of this could last us through 2024. And so uh, that's concerning uh, to us. We obviously have uh, quite a few industries that were hit really hard. Um, manufacturing was our largest uh, number of, of layoffs, although many of those are are, go, are coming back to work now, so we're encouraged by that. We have a big tourism uh, industry here because of the of Notre Dame and the second biggest busiest tourist attraction in Indiana. Um, those will be slow to recover. We're still anxiously awaiting what happens with football this fall and 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 what that might look like and, and such. So um, so really beginning. Um, you know, those pieces and, and putting those plans together and been working directly with businesses on their safe reopening plans, helping share, um, you know, good models from other communities or other companies and, and, and even walking them through those processes that, uh, that, that get them back and opening. And then, uh, you know, especially in our community, talking a lot about how do we, um, what do we do with these workers and, and, and workers that we need to get on a different path. So maybe somebody in the hospitality industry recognize that it's a little more susceptible to something like this. Maybe they, maybe now's a good time for them to think about a career in healthcare or in manufacturing or something like that. So we've done a lot of work on the, the pathway kind of stuff and, and maybe plugging them into those other resources because we know that that workforce is really important uh, to us. And, and obviously before the pandemic, we were at low, really like everybody, like really low unemployment. 
and um, and and we know our companies are still looking for those those value employees. And so, how do we make sure we connect uh, them to, uh, to to skilling them up, if you will, uh, to to move into other industries and stuff? So, you know, it, it's interesting because it's intimidating a little bit, right? We, you know, all of us as economic development professionals, you know, share really key leadership. Uh, um, positions in our communities and our communities are looking to us to say, hey, what's the plan? How do we recover? Get us back on track. When will we expect? And and it's a little intimidating per- personally, if you will, to think of like, man, am I smart enough to come up with this plan? And can I get the right people around the table? And I think that's where where, where organizations like IEDA are, are so critical uh, you know, to all of us in the field where we, we learn best practices from our peers across the state. You know, I, I do uh, uh, weekly calls, for example, with some of my peers in the chamber world and some of the larger metro areas and in, in Indiana and other places. And boy, I learned so much from, from my peers about what they're doing. And, and, uh, and, and so I, I just, you know, much like we're telling our, uh, our, um, our workers that, that are unemployed that they need to become lifelong learners and continue to, to skill up. Me as an economic development professional has to uh, continue to, to skill up and learn and, 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 and read what's out there and see who's doing, you know, good things and, and such. So it's, it's, it's been a, a really interesting time. Well, and I think, you know, as we've, as, as I think you've heard, <clears throat> you're a member of, of our legislative committee. And you've heard us say, you know, that we've been hearing from legislators saying, you know, we're not going to be able to, government is not going to have the capacity locally to spend its way out of this, that we're going to have to grow our way out. And therefore, economic development does find itself probably much more in the forefront. Um, You know, so how do you think sort of pre-COVID, post-COVID, how does your role as an economic developer, I mean, how, how will your... How will your job change? What will you be doing differently uh, now going forward than what you were doing, you know, three or four months ago? Yeah. So, so I think the spotlight will be on like never before, especially as we get into next year and the the what I would call the economic crisis then for local government who doesn't have the revenue, um, you know, coming in. So 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 much like we've done in COVID, I think we have a much better opportunity to bring the right people around the table and to speak collectively as a single voice. You know, I, I think what happens in economic development, sometimes we all insulate into our own silos a little bit. I'm responsible for my silo and, and, uh, and, and nothing else. And I think we're going to think more regionally. We're going to work closer across lines. We're going to, um, you know, you know, sometimes the, the city right next to the other city uh, competes with them. And, and I think that's going to go away a, a little bit as, as, as some of this happens. So, so I, I think of our role as a, as a key convener and a key policy uh, re- recommender as well, too, because local government, for example, is going to have a, uh, to make some really difficult policy decisions as well because of, of, of where that revenue is. And so there's a, there's a great opportunity for us to be a loud voice in that as well, too. So, um, so I've been encouraged by how many uh, of our leaders in, in the region have reached out to us, have, have picked our brain, have talked about what those opportunities uh, look like. We're looking at incentives right now. You know, obviously, with no revenue coming in, people are, you know, locals might say no more tax abatement or, or and, and so how do we manage, you know, things like incentives that, that sometimes are critical to bringing you know, folks here and how to and balance that. So I think we're, our voice is going to be uh, looked look to more, more than ever uh, before. But, but I also think, you know, the other thing that, that like me, like many of my peer organizations across the state also rely on those local governments for funding. 
So, uh, so, uh, so the city of South Bend, city of Mishawaka, St. Joe County all provide some funding uh, for me. The private sector provides most of my funding, but, um, but I may have a hole in my budget as well as they're saying, hey, you know, we got this big loss. We're not going to be able to fund you anymore. And, 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 and so I'm already in that mindset of trying to, to, to balance what happens if I have 25% less funding on the economic development side. What will I do? Um, where will I trim staff if I have to trim staff? What program will I cut out of this? And, and that's where I think the regional collaboration piece uh, maybe is going to help us. So we launched a regional partnership many years ago. We're the, sole, the original funder, the only funder that's been there uh, from day one. There's a lot of others there uh, with us now. And, and I think that becomes an even more important tool right now as we've broken down some of the, the, the invisible walls that have existed in the past. And we say, you know, when we're doing business attraction, can we do it more regionally? For example, because the deal flow is such that uh, um, that, it's, that it's hard for each of us to do that by ourselves or, or something like that. We're still going to be valuable on the business retention expansion side because we do have those relationships within our community. It's hard to replicate that, but uh, but but I think we'll we'll think about that. I, I think our organization, like many, has has migrated more into workforce in the last few years, and that'll obviously continue to be a big focus uh, for us here. And uh, and then I would say we're going to be more involved in the K through 12 system as well too because you know we got to make sure on the front end of this um, that, that students are coming out with the skills necessary so for example in South Bend they're talking about a new career and technical uh, center we want to be an important player in that so that it, um, it so they're developing the workers that we need to fill those jobs on the other end well and you know I think one of the things that that uh, I think that that I've heard from some of your peers is in a, in a previous time, we would be thinking about, you know, when you're doing sort of business retention expansion calls, when you're working with businesses at the chamber level, when you're talking to small business, we were able to think about if a business came with a problem, it was a business problem and you were looking for a business solution. And what this has created is, so that small business person has a business problem but that has created perhaps a personal problem in terms of their personal finances. And then they're also worried about sort of their employees as employees, but also as people. And suddenly, you know, this has become a much, the problems and the challenges that people are facing are crossing those silos, meaning that, you know, again, I think communities are really struggling to figure out how are we thinking more holistically about how we're helping business people and we're helping the community recover. And I think at least uh, your perspective uh, perhaps may give you a little bit of a head start in sort of how do we work across those groups and start thinking more holistically about this. But it's obviously still a much, much broader challenge probably than most of us have had to deal with before. It, it, it sure is. And it, it, I, I find it interesting. Again, the, the problems associated with are so complex. And, and I do think the business retention expansion piece is uh, maybe not intentionally a BRE effort, but just connecting with business owners right now is so critical and listening to them. So many of them are really wrestling with what, what's going on, what's next and such. And so just to be a, a sympathetic ear, uh, to be, uh, you know, to, to listen, to, to make sure they know that we cared about them or worried about them, you know, what's going on, uh, to, to help share a resource. Uh, maybe it's a mental health resource that, uh, that, uh, that their employees uh, need, or maybe it's, uh, uh, I don't know, you know, just a, a community resource that they need, that kind of thing. 
Well, I mean, I think you're touching upon this. So there, there's a whole range then of economic issues and business issues around health that we didn't need to think about before. And right. so even how do we, how do we open the doors and how do we ensure uh, that, you know, we're providing a healthy workplace? How do we ensure that we're not opening ourselves up to liability, yeah. uh, both from our employees or perhaps customers? Um, and, you know, uh, we're starting to hear a little bit from site selectors that that health capacity in a community may now sort of emerge as another criteria for how we determine uh, where we direct, you know, businesses that are expanding. And so those are a whole range of things that really weren't on the economic development radar screen that suddenly now are. Yep. You know, it's, it's interesting when you talk about the, the site selector radar in particular, because I, I do think um, the, our communities in Indiana have such an opportunity to take advantage, not take advantage, we don't want to take advantage of a crisis, but, but, um, but, but you've seen the, a lockdown in the big city is a lot different than a lockdown in, in, in somewhere else. And, and so, so people are going to make different decisions about where they live, I think, now coming out of a pandemic. And so, so for, for me, for example, I'm in the Chicago neighborhood. I'm 80 miles from, uh, from, from the city. And I think people are realizing I can work more remotely. Um, I can be in the Chicago neighborhood, but not be in Chicago. We can have a little more space here. I do think Indiana is really well positioned to take advantage of some folks that want to um, get out of those big cities, uh, which, which when you have a pandemic, for example, are much more complicated when you're in, in New York than when you're in South Bend, for, for example. So, so as we're thinking about how we sell, how we market our area, how we make sure people know um, those those advantages. I and we certainly wanted to take advantage of, of people who might now uh, be interested in going somewhere else when maybe before they weren't. So I think I've taken enough of your time. Is there anything that uh, you wanted to touch upon that I didn't uh, create an opportunity for you to talk about? Um, I don't think so. We we covered a lot. I appreciate the chance to just to visit with you and 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 talk. And and again, I, this these have been really helpful to to me to hear you know from from my peers around the state. So Lee, thank you. I know it's a little work on your end to put all this together. We're grateful for you doing this on behalf of uh, of all of us. Well, thank you for that. That's very kind. Uh, so I appreciate your time, uh, and you obviously are are uh, well overwhelmed with responsibilities up there. You know, you're the first czar I think I've met. So it's, yeah, so it's, uh, I, I had to look up what the term meant because it was funny. I, and I obviously I think when Mike Pence was, they were joking about. It. I think that's how where my where some people locally were joking with me about. It. I said I don't even know where the word comes from. It comes from Caesar. Uh, but uh, uh, anyway, it was pretty funny. And and I, and it's funny. I do think the health department bristles at that term sometimes. It's nope. I'm just an extra set of hands. You're still in charge. I'm just you know kind of coordinating things on the that. And you know one other you know um, uh, not a, it, the CARES Act for example. So cities and towns are getting money. And so now I'm. Going, you know, going through this, like, okay, how do we spend that money now? And uh, and so the, you know, obviously people like the sheriff and the 911 center and stuff say, hey, pay us some overtime, you know, to uh, um, um, because we've been on the front lines and we're saying, yeah, but what we really need is testing, or what we really need is PPE, or what we really need is a good contact tracing system so that we don't this doesn't continue to spread and stuff. So it's, it's so it's, it, yeah, all kinds of different roles. So it's it's it, no two days are alike. I like that. Well, that's good. That's good. Uh, so um, today I've been talking when he is not 
playing the role of COVID czar uh, for uh, St. Joseph County. Uh, Jeff Ray is the president and CEO of the South Bend Regional Chamber. Uh, he is a, a, a great IEDA member, is a member of our legislative committee. And Jeff, uh, we really appreciate you spending time today. Great. Thanks, Lee. Appreciate it. This has been IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. All content in this podcast is copyright 2020 by the Indiana Economic Development Association, and all rights are reserved. Thank you.